Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection podcast. Today is a solo episode and I have a topic I want to go through, actually two topics. Second one will be a little bit quicker. And then I have a question that I want to answer that I got through Instagram and I just want to go over on my podcast so I can explain it in a little bit more detail. All right, so let's dive into the topic. So uh, I want to go over training phases that clients go through uh, when it comes to building muscle. Okay. So these are going to be different types of uh, training phases that somebody will go through with, again, the ultimate goal of uh, building muscle, which with most of our clients, that's what we're doing. We're trying to build muscle. Whether you think you want to or not, chances are you probably want to build some muscle um, unless you are somebody who's competed and you have a, a certain amount of muscle, which I don't think anybody's ever felt like they're at that point. Uh, if not, then chances are you want to build muscle, right? You want to lean out, but you're not happy with how you look when you lean out. You want to build muscle. Uh, you want to improve the way your body looks. You want to build muscle, right? Now I'm saying that some people obviously can benefit from losing body fat, but building some muscles also going to help. So let's dive into it. So periodization for building muscle is low on the priority list. Okay. Uh, this definitely is lower than for example, how much volume you do and how hard you train. Those are going to be super important, right? If you aren't doing enough training volume or you're doing too much training volume, it doesn't matter, right? Um, again, I think for a lot of people, they probably underdo what they're supposed to. But in combination with this next thing in terms of how hard they train, also not training hard enough. Uh, I think a lot of times people lack focus in the gym. It's not that they don't try hard. It's they just lack focus in the gym. And, you know, I think people equate hard with, you know, you're sweating, um, you know, you start sweating and then like lifting like super heavy too, even just like heavy weight, right. Like for one rep, but I, I was just having this thought in my mind, training hard is, you know, for building muscle six to 10 reps, you know, that burn, that feeling you just suck where it's like, Oh man, I still got to get three more of these reps with moderate weight. Right. That's what I think. That's what's hard. Um, and that's hard training, you know, making sure that each set is, is challenging, not just, you're just flying through it and, whatever, or you're just doing two reps because while lifting heavy and lifting two reps is challenging, it's, it's a different challenge. Uh, when you, when you get, you know, north of six, seven, eight reps and, and you have to, you know, you have moderate weight, like that, that's hard training, right? So again, we need to make sure we're training hard. If you don't have these two things, if you don't have your volume dialed in, you're not training hard enough. It doesn't really matter what type of training phase you're in. However, uh, periodization does play a role, uh, especially in terms of long-term adherence. Okay. So this is, uh, something that I, why I wanted to go over this was because I do think it plays a role with adherence. Um, I've had Jordan lips on, uh, the last, uh, two podcast, not the last two podcasts, but I've had one, two times. The first one, the first one's already aired. The second one's going to air here in the next couple of weeks, but he kind of talks about how periodization is not very important. And while I agree with him, because again, it falls way short of how much volume you do, how hard you train, like those things are super important. Um, but what I, where I do think that periodization comes into play is from the mental side of things. Okay. So just like I'm a big advocate of nutrition periodization, I'm a big fan of periodizing your training in the same type of way where we don't want to be doing the same thing all the time, right? You want to switch out. You want to have some lighter weeks. You want to have time for it. It's a little bit easier. So that's where I think periodization comes into play. I don't think it's necessarily going to 
benefit you in terms of like it's gonna itself gonna cause more muscle growth, but I think indirectly it can cause more muscle growth and more progress over time. Because in an ideal world, we would just train 100%, 100% of the time, but this isn't practical. Um, not only from a recovery standpoint, you know, your body would break down, but from an adherence standpoint as well. You know, there's more to life than the gym. And if you're just constantly pushing hard all the time, I, I do feel like that's mentally not going to be great for somebody. Um, so getting a client to stick with a program long-term is my main role as a coach, uh, even though those, even, even through those hard times, you know, even, uh, even through those times where, you know, they got a lot going on or they're, they got their training's been challenging, whatever it may be. My, my job is to keep them going and to keep them adherent to a training program. So this is where periodization can come into play. And so what I want to do is go over typical phases that clients go through um, uh, when we're trying to build muscle. So first we have our normal, just muscle building uh, training phase. Okay. This is hypertrophy training, your regular training. Okay. This is going to be the bulk of the programming, right? This is literally probably going to be 80% of it, if not more. And this is where progress is made. Usually we're going to pair this with a fat loss phase or a um, a building phase. Okay. This is the phase that you'll be in. We're going to spend about four to six weeks in this phase at each time, right? It'll take about four. We'll be in this phase for four to six weeks, take a deload, do another four to six weeks. And again, we'll talk about a deload here. That's another little mini phase that, that we go through. Um, so again, this is your typical, this, uh, muscle building phase is your typical 10 to 20 sets per muscle group, sometimes less, sometimes more, it depends on the person. And it's all part of figuring out what volume works for you. Uh, we're, we're in the five to 30 rep range and the bulk is going to be in about eight to 15 rep range, but we do go under eight, go over 15, uh, zero to three RIR. Again, that's a hard training. That's where, you know, we're not going too far away from failure, but we're also not going to failure all the time either. And we're focused on progressive overload, right? We're trying to add more reps, trying to add more weight, um, trying to add more sets, not trying to, but these are things that we want to do over time. And then after each four to six week phase, you know, we'll make some small rep changes, maybe, uh, in that first muscle building phase, our focus is on five to 10 rep range. And then maybe in that second phase, it's in the 10 to 15 rep range. But again, we're going to try to hit all the rep ranges in that five to 30 rep range, but we're going to have a bias towards a certain one. Um, and then we're going to take up some exercises that are getting stale and then add in new ones to the client once um, as well. Uh, and then we'll potentially increase volume. So maybe you're doing three sets in client bench. In that first phase, maybe you go from three sets to four sets at the end, and then you start that next phase at three sets and work your way up to five sets. So like over time, we're going to increase volume from phase to phase, these muscle building phases. And so basically, we usually get about one to three of these phases in a row before needing an active rest or a primer slash strength phase, which again, we're going to go over here soon. So what we'll do is again, we'll stack two to three of these four to six week phases on top of each other. And again, the goal there is to make some small rep changes over time throughout each phase. Um, it's not going to be rep changes within the phase, but from phase to phase, you're going to make those rep changes. And again, over time, ideally we'll increase volume from that first phase all the way to that third phase. If they do three, sometimes they just do two. Um, and then between, again, like I mentioned a little bit ago, in between those four to six week phases, we're going to take deloads unless they're a beginner Then we may go a bit longer without taking deloads. So if somebody's new to training, we probably aren't going to take a deload as often um, until they start to get a little bit more uh, advanced, but I still like that. I'm still, I personally am a fan of proactive deloads uh, anyways, um, even even if a client doesn't necessarily always need them. I know that some people won't like that. They think that, oh, that's too much. But I do, again, for the mental side of things, I like the proactive approach to uh, that. So another type of phase that we may have uh, is a metabolite slash high volume training phase. This is a phase that we sparingly use uh, to increase training volume. 
Uh, we usually do this in like the last normal muscle building phase. So again, say you do two uh, regular muscle building phases, again, you're, you know, the bulk of the training's in the 8 to 15 rep range, but, you know, anywhere from 5 to 30. Uh, so after one to two of those, we'll basically, we'll take this higher volume metabolite phase where we're going to add. So we, in this phase, we may add in things like drop sets, supersets, mile reps, downsets, right? Ways to get more of volume in. Um, this, this phase is usually going to come right before an active rest or a primer phase, which again, we'll go over here in a little bit. Um, these are easy ways to increase volume without having to add a lot of time to the client's training routine. Um, so again, it's just a way to add more volume, right? Without really like adding a ton of time to the training sessions. However, for most clients, we never do two of these in a row um, because your body first, it adapts to this metabolite triptate type training, uh, high volume type training. Um, so your body adapts to it quickly and it actually causes a lot of CNS fatigue as well. So you just kind of just feel like burnt out. So you don't want to do it for too long in a row. So again, like four to, at most, we'll just do one of these at one time. And most people like training this way. Um, it does suck when you get over like 15 reps, it freaking sucks to train in this. Um, you know, you really got to go for the burn and you, and unfortunately you really have to go close to failure for this type of training to be effective. So uh, that's why, again, it's something that's used sparingly. Um, this is also a phase where reps can get pretty high. I'm um, think 20 to 30 reps. Um, this also can be a good phase to use at the end of a fat loss phase when the client is like pretty depleted and doing heavy weight isn't ideal. So again, at the end of a fat loss phase, this could be a great thing to throw in to add volume, but not have to add in a ton of like heavier type training. Again, there's still going to be a good amount of training in like the eight to 15 rep ranges. Um, as some exercises just don't do well with higher reps, you know, than like 12 to 15 reps, for example, take back squat. We're not going to go over 15 reps, We're probably not even going to go over 12 reps in the back squat. Uh, so that's, you know, where that's, uh, again, you're going to have training in that eight to 15, but just more of it's going to be more like mile rep drop set type stuff. And then there's going to be a little bit more in like the 15 plus rep range. Um, again, reps are higher than normal. So higher training volume. So this is again, something that we'll do after probably two regular muscle building phases. If, if we find it useful, sometimes clients will just do three regular muscle building phases and we just skip metabolite high volume phase. It just depends on, on, on the client and where they're at at that time. Um, the other type of, uh, um, uh, mini fit. This is, was more of a mini phase, but a deload week. So deload is a temporary reduction in training volume uh, slash intensity and or uh, with online clients, we focus our training on progressive overload, as we talked about earlier. So this means that over time, we're trying to do more, whether that be through adding more weight or reps or sets, better technique, etc. cetera. Uh, the plus side to progressive overload is that this is what is needed to build muscle. That's what's going to give you that progress. Um, but the downside is it also comes at a cost and that cost is fatigue. Uh, fatigue isn't all bad, but too much fatigue can lead to higher injury risk, burnout, and poor training performance. So at some point we, we do need to lower that, that training fatigue. Um, there are multiple ways to deload. Uh, sorry. So let me, let me backpedal here again. So we need to lower that training fatigue. So this is where deload, deload weeks come into play. Uh, the goal of a deload is to lower fatigue. Uh, and we know that overloading can induce fatigue. Therefore we want our training to not be overloading during a deload. Uh, there's multiple ways you can deload. You can do less sets, you can do less reps, you can do less weight, or you can just, you can do just one of those things I just mentioned. You can do a combo of two of them. You can do less reps, less weight, or you can do a combo of all three, right? Um, depending on where you're at. So, uh, but ultimately you want the training to be less intense than it normally is. Uh, it really just depends on how the client slash you're feeling at that time. So like, if you feel 
you know, if a client's like super beat up, really burnt out, um, they have some ag- nagging injuries from the, you know, the last couple training phases, then we may just have them do a combo of all three. Um, now, if the client's feeling good and not overly fatigued, then we may just have them do less reps. Uh, for example, I, I, this is a situation I ran into myself of, um, not this last training phase, but the one before, you know, uh, it was five weeks in and I was like, oh crap, this is, uh, you know, this is a deal we coming up. And that right there is like, you know, I kind of was like, maybe I should have pushed myself harder, but I just, instead of taking like a deload week where I just really like lowered weight reps sets, I kept weight relatively high during that deload week and just did less volume overall. Um, had a great training, had a great training phase this last one, but definitely after the five weeks, I was ready to take a deload. So that time I did less, less training days, less sets, less reps, I, pretty much the whole, the whole thing. Um, so that's just kind of an example there of how you would manage that. Uh, so uh, I did want to go over a study here on, on deload. So uh, studies have shown that even multi, even multiple three week layoffs during a six month resistance training uh, did not cause strength or muscle loss. And what's cool about this is that most deloads we we do for one week, right? So we also know that like if you, you can go up to three weeks and not lose any strength or muscle, but we're only doing this for one week. Um, so that's, you know, kind of the benefit there of it is you're getting rid of this fatigue, but you're also not losing any gains during that time. The other big part of the deload is the mental side of things, as I talked about. Uh, sometimes it's just nice for the client to go into the gym and not have to worry about pushing themselves and trying to do more than they did in previous weeks. You can just be refreshing, right? After week after week, you go in, you're like, oh man, I got to freaking beat this last, what I did last week, or I got to do the same. That was so draining. You know, you can just go in and you don't have to do that. It can just be nice mentally. It's weird how just that little thing like that can, can make a big difference. Um, so not only does it lower fatigue, but it also helps clients with motivation uh, moving forward. Uh, because usually after deal, we clients are ready to get back into training. Uh, many clients come to me where in the past, they they just basically, they always just kept pushing it. Um, you know, they... And, and then they, they hit a plateau... And, and then you, you kind of just get down on it and then you eventually just, you end up not training, right? Cause you're just like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm not motivated, but really you just needed a night. Uh, they, they think something's wrong with them and, and they just simply, you just needed to take a lighter week in the gym. Right. So this is again, where I love taking these deloads again, take them every four to six weeks or so sometimes a longer, uh, depending on the client. Um, again, for beginners, they can go much longer with them. It may be closer to like eight to 12 weeks. But again, I like, like I said, I really like the, proactive approach to taking deloads, even if the client doesn't really necessarily need it. Um, at first, clients are weird out by this process, but as they dial in their training, they start to realize the importance of deloads. So once they actually do it and they start really to push themselves in training, like, again, a client that's been with me for six weeks or about eight weeks, and we say we're taking deloads, they're kind of like, what, the, the, what's the point of this? Or say four weeks, and they just got them with a four-week training block, where really we just try to dial in their, their training, and it's usually lower volume than what they're used to is a deload week going to be good there? Probably not. If anything, it's pro- they're probably going to lose motivation. So definitely shied away from taking these deloads too early in a client's training program. But once they really get trained, uh, once they really get uh, everything dialed in, they get used to how things work and they start progressing. Eventually they're like, well, I, you know, this is needed. I, you know, this, I'm thankful for this. Uh, now the downside with Deloads, though, is that they do not fully get rid of all fatigue, um, but they do a good enough job. Uh, so that is the downside is, you know, if you've been, say you're, you've done two muscle building phases, you're about to go to the third one, you do a deload week, your fatigue is lowered, but it's unfortunately not going to be completely gone. You're still going to have a little bit of fatigue lingering around. 
So this brings me into our next uh, phase that we'll do with client. Um, it's a primer slash strength phase. So primer I got from Steve Hall, uh, and then but but it's also can just be like a strength phase. So let's say uh, you did two plus phases of training for building muscle. Okay, again this is going to require higher training volumes and overloading. Uh, until we know that creates fatigue, right? That generates a ton of fatigue. Uh, plus your body adapts to that type of training. Um, and again, we know that deloads don't get rid of all of it. So, you know, what do you do at that point? Right. And so this is where you want to throw in a lower training volume uh, period because, you know, your body is adapted to, to that type of training, you know, that eight to 15 rep range, uh, again, it's just adapted to it. And, uh, you know, if you keep, can't just keep going, doing, you just can't keep doing more volume because eventually, you know, your body's not going to be able to recover to it. So you're in this weird position. Uh, and so this is where I like to insert these phases. Uh, so in a study by Bitcoin colleagues, uh, participants did a 16 week training program. And then after the first 16 weeks, they were then randomly assigned to another 32 weeks uh, of training with either 66% or 90% less volume. Bickle and colleagues reported that young individuals did not exhibit a significant decrease in muscle fiber cross-sectional area after 32 weeks of training with these substantially lower volumes. Uh, they did find that older individuals may need a, a bit more volume to maintain their muscle. So you can basically get away with almost no training whatsoever for 16 weeks and still maintain your muscle. This is great news. And again, maybe not no training, but you know, you can literally limit your training volume by 90% and still maintain your muscle. That's pretty crazy. Uh, so this is again, where we insert strength slash primer phases. These are essentially low volume training periods. Uh, again, Steve Hall coined this the primer phase, but uh, we also call it a strength phase. Uh, we do this. What we do in this phase is we we drop the client's volume. Uh, for for most, we don't make big decreases, but if the individual is feeling beat up, we may we may make larger decreases in training volume. Uh, how do you decrease training volume? You can do it by doing less training days. Maybe they go from five days to four. Uh, you do you can do less exercises overall per workout. Maybe instead of doing six exercises per workout, you do four. Uh, less reps. Uh, the, the rep range drops down. This way, you're going to be closer to that five, like five to ten rep range most of the time. Um, less sets, so maybe you will finish the last phase doing five sets of incline bench. Well, you might drop down to three. Uh, so again, this is where you just you're going to make some type of decrease in their training volume. Uh, how much and how many decreases we make is going to depend on the client and where they're at. Uh, you know, this can come off as not easy training or it's not hard training, but the training is still hard. It's just slightly different than your typical muscle building programming. It's more strength focused and when we're, we're more strength focused, we want to go lower training volume. It's just a different type of stimulus a little bit. Not a big change, but at least enough there. Uh, we also use primer phases for, for times when a client is going through like a very busy time uh, and they cannot dedicate all the time to working out. There's a great phase for that. Uh, and we do like to use this when a client first comes to us as well. This kind of this can also be used as a baseline phase to get started uh, to kind of ramp them up for higher training volumes. If we don't want to go straight into high training volume, so uh, we also use this as a baseline. Just like in the previous episode, I went over nutrition periodization. This is the same thing as a baseline essentially. Uh, during this, during this, if it's a baseline primer phase, this is a time where we can really have them dial in their technique uh, while not doing excessive amount. While not generating excessive amounts of fatigue.
Uh, I think of this as the, again, baseline training phase uh, can also be considered your home base, really. Uh, it's where it's like you always just kind of go back to this when, when you need to. Uh, you can be in a primer phase for as little as three weeks to as long as you want. Uh, it just depends on what's going on. Uh, you know, if you're ready to, you just did three muscle building phases, you need a little break from high training volumes. You, you do a primer phase for, you know, four or six weeks, then you can go right back into those muscle gaining phases again. Um, or maybe you do three muscle building phases. You're in a primer phase. You find out, Hey, you know what the, it's summertime. I'd be traveling a lot. Maybe you do 12 weeks of primer phase. That's what's cool about this is it's something that you can just do to maintain. And maybe you don't keep the exercise the same. Maybe you switch them up every six weeks or so or something like that. But again, you keep your training volume relatively low to maintain. And probably, and depending on where you're at, you can maybe bump up the volume slightly and make very small progress as well. Then we have an active rest phase. So an active rest phase is one to two weeks where a client does no programming no program training whatsoever. Uh, these can happen during times where maybe they're traveling or they have a very busy time in their life, uh, exams, newborns, anything like that. This is obviously our never, this is never our first goal. Uh, we, we only want to implement these if we have to. Uh, you can take one of three offs from training, not lose any muscle as we heard earlier. Uh, but once you get past that, it seems like you will probably start to lose some muscle. Um, the good news with that though, is that if you have trained for some time, you know, probably at least a couple of years, you will see your muscle growth come back very quickly. You can call this, you know, muscle memory. With this in mind, we can use active rest phases for clients who cannot make it to the gym, or if they are just burnt out from training or beat up, um, you know, the, this one to two weeks can really lower fatigue mentally and, and physically. Uh, I've done one of these in the past and it was super helpful. I did, and I did it after like a three, three or four phase muscle building phase. Rarely do we do planned active rest phases though. Uh, sometimes it's, it's more reactive than anything, uh, but again, very little muscle will be lost and this can be a, a great time to get remotivated. Uh, the other benefit of active rest phases are they do a great job of getting rid of most fatigue more than deloads do, right? Because you're not doing anything in it for two weeks. So let's kind of go uh, kind of an overview here. So this is how a typical client's program will look like. So say they first come to us, they're going to do a baseline primer for about four to six weeks. Then we're going to go into a typical hypertrophy training program for four to six weeks. Then we deload. Then for phase three, typical hypertrophy programming, four to six weeks, maybe you bump up the volume slightly, change up some exercises. Deload, um, let's say uh, this client, uh, they, they did those two hypertrophy programs, we're going to do another hypertrophy phase, but maybe this time we start to implement a little bit more metabolite high volume for four to six weeks. We deload, um, and then we take a primer phase. Then you rinse and repeat, right? Then you can go back to your typical hypertrophy programming, um, or you can stay in a primer phase for longer. So that's kind of how we use different phases to keep clients engaged and fresh with their, their training. Uh, so if you have any questions on that, you know, feel free to message me on Instagram, send me an email. Uh, either way, let me know um, on that. Very interesting topic. Uh, then I do have one question I want to go over. I, I, I don't want to go over that next topic. Um, I'll save that for next week. But I had a question on Instagram and it was, what's, what's one thing you wish trainers would start doing and what's, one thing you wish they would stop doing uh, first is one thing I wish they would start doing is I, I do wish a lot more. And I feel like the really good coaches do this, but a lot of them don't invest in their own health and fitness or even in their own business. You know, they just, I get it, you know, for some people, personal training and um, 
online coaching just doesn't bring in a lot of money and you got a family to take care of. You don't have, you, you don't have the resources to invest in your own health and fitness, but if you're going to expect people to invest in you, you need to invest in yourself as well. And, and that's just a huge mistake that I see trainers make because they don't, they kind of get comfortable and they don't ever invest in like knowledge or anything like that. And, and it's, that just really hurts them. I feel like, and it just kind of hurts the overall quality of, of coaches. Uh, you know, so it's just nice if, if while it may hurt you at, right then and there to invest and drop the money into it, it pays off uh, later on, right? It pays off in ways that you can't see right then and there. So that's probably the biggest mistake I see and something that I wish they would, that I wish trainers would start doing. Now, as far as what do I wish they would stop doing? I wish that they would stop trying, and this isn't everybody, again, good coaches don't do this, but uh, just basically, I, I think that you get kind of, you can get into this trap, especially when you get started. And again, if you don't invest in your education and, and getting better, uh, you can fall in that trap of just trying to destroy your clients. And what I mean by that is only focusing on making them sweat, making them really feel the workout, right? That's, I remember when I first got into training, that was, there was a lot of times when, like, luckily I listened to Mind Pump during that time and I was able to kind of realize that that's not the way to go with things. You know, obviously again, that's kind of what sells. That's what's going to get people interested. Like, Oh, this workout killed me. This guy's so good at what he does because he just crushed my legs or whatever. But that does not make a good trainer. I don't know. Again, like that, that type of stuff sells, but again, luckily I had mind pump to kind of guide me through that. Um, I don't listen to them really anymore, but they were definitely very helpful for me in the beginning when I first started uh, training people. But, and like I said, I, I sometimes kind of fell into that trap where like, I was like, you know, people wanted to do this, like they want these hard workouts, you create crazy workouts, like, but again, that doesn't, that's not what actually gets people results. And so I wish that they would stop just trying to destroy their clients. Because again, like I said, that, that sells, that can get you more clients, but ultimately you're hurting the clients uh, in the long run there by doing that. So that's one thing I wish uh, trainers would stop doing is just just trying to destroy their clients just to, again, keep them coming back and to uh, get referrals because, you know, oh, so-and-so hammered me in my workout today. Um, so that's all I got this week. Uh, if you have any questions on it, again, send me an email or reach out on Instagram. Uh, I am, I did have release an episode yesterday. What well, was today? While well, I was recording this, but it, when this comes out, it will be yesterday. Going over my group coaching. Uh, again, this is something that I'm, doing two times a year. It's a new program. Uh, the first one starts November 15th. I'm super excited to get it rolling. Um, so if you're interested in that, I do, I'm going to link it in the show notes, um, but also check out that episode. Uh, it's a bonus episode. Um, if you have any questions, again, you can reach out for, uh, to me on that as well. Um, but that's it for this week and we will chat next week. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.